0: In 2016, right before the presidential election that shook the world, uh, my little brother was killed in a car accident. And ever since then, I've kind of had him in mind whenever I start a new project or set new goals or, you know, things like that. Um, He's sort of my muse, I guess. And so to that end, I wanted to do something for his birthday, which was last week, um, on this show that would uh, kind of honor him. So what I did was I f- contacted one of his bandmates from his high school garage band, who I have known since he was a really little kid, like I think probably kindergarten. And uh, you know, just to kind of keep it all in the family, I wanted to get him to write a song. He's a guy named Dan and uh, Dan has gone on to become an accomplished you know, music producer and musician in his own right and I asked him to write a new intro for my podcast. Um, I think this intro, not only does it honor my little brother's memory, which I love, um, he would have been 33 a week ago, but also, you know, it fits the Blackbird brand a little bit better, I think. And I really like it. So I hope you enjoy and appreciate this music as much as I do. So here it is, and happy birthday to my little brother, Jeff, and I will see you on the other side. (laughs) And today I am joined by Brian O'Doherty. I first heard about Brian on the School Sucks podcast hosted by Brett Vinat. Um, he recently, or I guess not so recently, like last summer, he did a series on integral theory um, with another libertarian podcaster by the name of Wes Bertrand. Um, and in the middle of that series, they mentioned Brian's essay on panarchy. But I wanted to get from Brian sort of a synopsis of what integral theory actually is. And so I invited Brian on to talk about not only panarchy, which is sort of his contribution to integral thought, um, but also just to get a, a good bare bones idea of what integral actually means. Um, I think we'll probably learn more about this as, uh, as I go forward. Um, it's... Definitely something that I'm interested in, so I've reached out to another integral thinker who uh, is a bit more of a generalist than Brian, um, and hopefully hopefully, you and I can learn a little bit more about what is to come. What got me interested in integral in the beginning was I asked in Thad Russell's group um, what he thought would be sort of the successor to postmodernism, because as we all know, Uh, like, the general philosophy or, like, the cultural worldview um, never stays the same. Like, modernism turned into postmodernism. And so postmodernism can't be just the final thing. Like, we haven't gotten it right yet. Um, And so that's where someone mentioned Integral to me. And that's when I had realized that I had heard about Integral on the School Sucks podcast Um, and just written off that entire series that Brett did because it was so complicated and not really up my alley. As it turns out, it was definitely up my alley, and I think that you will probably be interested in it as well. So here is my interview with Brian O'Doherty. And also, I want to mention... this is a very complex topic. So uh, there's like a there's a lot of jargon, and there's like color codes and stuff. So in the show notes, I put like the image that I was using to kind of keep up with the color codes that Brian was using. Um, and Brian differs just a little bit with traditional integral theory because he uses a different color code that was from spiral dynamics, which was sort of the predecessor to integral. um. You'll get the hang of it as we go along, Uh, but I did want to let you know that if you click the link or just go to blackbird.substack.com, you'll see the image there that I was using so that you can kind of follow along with these colors. Uh, And I think that'll help you to kind of get a firmer grasp of what what we're talking about. Um, Although I think that I did do a pretty good job of of digging into this so that the layperson can get an understanding of it um, a little bit better. And so with that, here is my interview with Brian O'Doherty. All right, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be- um, so I was listening to an ep- or like a series of the School Sucks Project podcast, and they did a whole series on integral theory and devoted at least one and maybe two episodes to an essay that you wrote a few years ago on integral politics. Um, so I wanted to have integral you point. on yeah. to talk about Um, what integral theory is, and then maybe get into a little bit on your thoughts of what an integral politics would look like, namely panarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we do that, though, why don't I just let you kind of introduce yourself to the audience uh, as, you know, sort of a fellow traveler in the libertarian sphere who probably not many people have actually heard of.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised no one's heard of me. I'm just basically a guy, a, um, <laughs> layman, so to speak. Um, I'm not, I don't have like any formal education in political science or anything like that. Um, I just do a lot of reading and in 2012, uh, so I'm of course I'm a libertarian bent. I'm actually kind of, I guess I would consider myself like, a, I don't know. A closest thing would be like an agorist or something like that voluntarist. And, um, I, uh, just doing a lot of reading, very interested in economics, very interested in politics and very interested in philosophy in general, stumbled onto Ken Wilber when I was, uh, just after college and I was just floored by him. I mean, it was just, it was like a, like an eye just opened, um, and really, uh, really got into Ken Wilber. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I started writing about, or how I started thinking about. Okay, because Wilbur, of course, if you've if you're if you've heard the School Sucks podcast series, um, you know he's kind of like the father of the integral uh, philosophy. And so, um, so yeah, I I just started thinking. Okay, so what would what would the politics of an integral society look like? Um, because Ken never really put that into concrete terms, um, you know, and the, the Integral Movement as a whole, at least up until the time I wrote those essays, was far more concerned with things like you know spirituality, uh, consciousness, uh, personal development, things of that nature. So it, it hadn't really there hadn't really been a whole lot of involvement or talk about politics up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I got started with it. Um, just started thinking about it and um, came up with panarchy. And one important thing I like to point out is that even though I, I've been kind of pushing this sort of idea of panarchy, um, I myself <laughs> am, am, am a, a voluntarist. So, you know, I just see panarchy as a way to, you know, allow people with different types of. You know, organize how people who want to organize their societies in different ways, in a voluntarist structure, how to how to make that happen and how to let people do that. You know, so that's kind of how it how it came about.
0: Um, yeah. So from a political standpoint, it does seem like a lot of people in the integral movement, just from just from what I've uh, like listened to and read. Um, like, I haven't read a lot of Wilbur, but I've listened to interviews with him, um, and I checked out like Ubiquity University, which is sort of an integral um, school that I think Ken Wilber sits on their on their board of regents or something like that. It does seem like it comes from sort of a lefty globalist uh, point of view or from from that direction anyway. Like the yeah. Ubiquity U um, talks a lot about the the United Nations. Uh, United Nations agendas um, in in a positive way. Bill Clinton has endorsed Ken Wilber's philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, what a so how popular is your idea of panarchy in integral th- circles? In integral circles,
1: um, you know, it has a following, um, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's mainstream, although it has become more and more mainstream. The concept of panarchy is is has become more and more mainstream over the years. So you know, at first, not at all, but even but recently, you know, it's um, it's become more and more of a a word people are willing to use and a, a, an idea that people are willing to to integrate, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, a, I think what a lot of that is is folks that come to Integral. Especially in the '90s and early aughts, you know, in that in that early uh, time when Wilbur was writing a lot and sort of the ideas were first forming, the type the types of people that were attracted to that weren't necessarily very interested in politics. I mean, they weren't like it, that; just wasn't why they were there. So, um, so I think um, you know, I think a lot of it is just you know people kind of. Adopting whatever political stances they brought with them from, say, green, right, where they were formally at before they made the, the developmental consciousness leap into integral, they sort of just brought that with them, and, you know, integral theory, of course, has has the the idea of lines of development, right? So it's not necessarily, even if you you cognitively you are, you know, at the integral stage or you've you've. You've come. You've gone beyond postmodernism, and now you're in this this integral um, stage of development cognitively. In other lines, you may not be there yet. So you know you may still be on the political line, or on the moralistic line, or on the whatever. You might still be at a at a lower stage and still kind of working your way there. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, you know, a, a lot of people in the in, in integral spheres I would describe as just apolitical, like they're just not, you know, it's just not something that really drives their interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, th- I think there, and then there are um, integralists who are, you know, diehard anti-capitalist, socialist, you know, whatever. Um, so I think they're really—it's like any other thing—they're um, just all stripes, all types of biases, all types mm-hmm. of people and that's fine i mean i don't think there's anything
0: wrong with that necessarily um so it is i mean it's kind of like agorism in that in that sense i mean you've got agorists who come at it from sort of a right wing bent and some who come at it from like the conspiracy bent and even not maybe not even even but like this might actually be a large maybe not more majority but plurality who come at agorism from like the, the green bent. I mean, you know, the, the, um, gosh, what's the name of that, that garden design thing that Jack Spearco talks about? Uh, well, anyway, I can't remember, but, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about, um, yeah. kind of being one with the earth and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and there's agorist thought leaders who are very into that spirituality and, um, yeah, and, for sure. And I, I'm the yeah. same
1: way. I mean, you know, I was—I kind of told you before we started recording this, but I went back to the land for like three years. Um, I was recycling my own human waste and fertilizing my fields with it. So, you know,
0: <laughs> I've been—that is a whole other level, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I've—I've I've really been um, uh, th- all of that is, is is sort of part of who I am. So, you know, people, especially in because I tend to focus on panarchy so hard in in my um when i'm on you know like integral facebook groups or or i'm publishing my blog or whatever um that part of me kind of doesn't i don't i don't really talk about it that much but i've always kind of considered myself like you know um i don't know conservative hippie or something um you know so so yeah i mean yeah, stewardship of the earth, spirituality, um, all of that stuff is is also important and to me as well.
0: That's why I've kind of um before I before I and I think we should probably get into what integral theory is in just a minute, but uh before I sort of discovered integral theory, um I had always made the argument that the kind of future of politics is going to be an alliance between like the Bernie Sanders Dem Sox and the Ron Paul Libertarian types. (laughs) Um, Because yet you see a lot of that synthesis where um, the the sort of free market types and the sort of um, socialist types are focusing on the same issues Mm-hmm. Just coming at it with kind of different problem or solutions rather. Right. Um, so I guess that's a kind of good segue. I asked the question: What comes after postmodernism? What does post-postmodernism look like? Um, because I've always kind of been taken, or maybe not always, but for the last several years anyway, been taken with the uh, the notion that truth and s- particularly moral truth is something that we kind of arrive at together rather than something that's determined and set in stone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really like that framework, uh, but I've seen it slipping. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, postmodernism and integral theory and modernism and all of these isms are more descriptive than prescriptive. Um, I don't think that Foucault was setting out a plan for what his ideal society looked like. I think he was more just saying, hey, this is what society looks like. Um, so I guess, so yeah, what, what, what do you think of that? And also how does integral theory sort of, um, look like the next step in, in societal, uh, evolution?
1: Sure. Um, well, you know, the postmodernism and sort of the, I guess if we're going to call use integral terms, the green wave of, um, consciousness is, is brings a lot of, um, really great things um to the world right um one of the primary things that it brings is the um the realization that um there are there are relative truths or that that every sort of viewpoint or veaming if you will because we're talking about you know levels uh from an integral standpoint, we're talking about levels of development, but from a green standpoint, they don't see it that way yet. So postmodernists don't see it that way yet.
0: Yeah. It kind of, that's, that's one thing. Nobody really sees that they're just another step in the, in the in right. the evolution.
1: That doesn't happen until you get to integral. So I guess that's the biggest distinction is that like at postmodern, you're still, I mean, you can see the relative relativism. You can see the sort of the pluralism that that's there that, there are all these different ways of seeing the world, and those different ways of seeing the world are true from the standpoint of where they are, right? So, you know, um, but but the mistake that green that postmodernism makes is they say, and my way of seeing that is the only way to see it, right? right so yeah. it's kind of a, it, it's kind of a, They're still they're still sort of reductionists in that in that way. And once you get to integral, it's, it, it, we sometimes it's called, it's called like the map maker stage, or you're trying to, you're trying to map the territory, right? Um, Integralists love, Sort of charts and graphs and maps. Of just
0: <laughs> yeah, <kind> of, <laughs> just just doing some some preliminary uh, reading up on it. I have noticed that for sure. And yeah, you yeah. know, you're talking about green. Um, and that's that's one thing. That there's a whole color code that I'm gonna have to put in the show notes so that people yeah. kind of understand what we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah you... and
1: it, and it's confusing because the 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 color code changes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. There's two, there's at least two different schools of thought that I've, that I've seen that where, you know, sometimes it's green and sometimes turquoise is a different color. I, I, I don't, I don't, really, I don't really remember all of it, but uh, yeah. so um, do you know, I mean, just off the top of your head, do you know how Wilbur came yes. up with the colors?
1: Yeah. So um, the color scheme was originally created by uh, Don Beck um, and uh, he was a student of Claire Graves who came up with sort of the the original Spiral Dynamics letter codes because before there were colors, there were letters. Oh,
0: Spiral Dynamics was the other thing I was trying to remember just now that I couldn't remember.
1: Yeah, So um, and so Beck and Wilbur got together um, and they created um, Spiral Dynamics Integral and so the, so the original color scheme from bottom to top, you know, beige, purple, red, blue, orange, green, yellow, yellow is integral, and then turquoise. And above that, there are some others. But um, that was the, sort of the original. And that was, that, that was what we worked with for years, for many years. Um, and then Beck and Wilbur kind of parted ways a little bit. Um, I, I, I think they still, maybe they still talk, I don't know, but, um, they parted ways and Wilbur came up with his own color scheme, um, to kind of, I think to kind of differentiate himself or maybe he just thought it made more sense to him or I'm not exactly sure, but he replaced some of the colors and he made it more of a chromatic progression. So I think his started out at infrared replaced beige then there was magenta replaced purple, then you had red, then amber replaced blue. He kept orange, he kept green, teal replaced yellow, and then he kept turquoise. So it was kind of this progression from warm colors t- to cool colors. Okay. Interestingly, what I think is lost with that and why I prefer to stick with the original spiral dynamics colors is because um, Beck's uh, original conception of those colors had meaning. And that, and and he oscillated from warm to cool to warm to cool to warm to cool, and he did that because each stage of development had a tendency to favor um, sort of individualism or, or communalism.
0: So that is, yeah, okay. So that oscillation is definitely something that I've been doing a lot of thinking about lately. Mm-hmm. Um, in, addition, in addition, in um, addition, uh, c- cyclic, uh, the cyclical nature of. Of all of this stuff. Uh, I sort of discovered this integral theory in the midst of trying to wrap my head around societal evolution from the standpoint of um, Eastern philosophy, Mm -hmm. uh, which as you know, as everybody knows is more cyclical than linear. Um, And I think that this, this thing that I'm, that I'm reading about now is, uh, is a really, a really good way to Put that oscillation of, like you said, individualism and collectivism mm-hmm. um, over the the wheel of, you know, from like peasant to warrior to priest to priestly class to um, uh, merchant class back to peasants, uh, and then also keep it in a linear fashion because, like, you know, from our framework in the West, a timeline is what makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Uh, okay. So I interrupted you. Uh, why don't we, why don't we get back to what is integral theory? Okay.
1: So integral theory is just, just the, um, well, I, I, I guess the best way to put it is it combines a lot of different developmental theories mm-hmm. together into a kind of coherent framework. So what Wilbur did was he, he did a lot of research and brought a lot of different schools of thought together Including spiritualism, Eastern religion, but also including um, developmental studies. Um, whether you're talking about consciousness development, moral development, ego development, um, you know how different religions and how they work their work into de, in developmental levels. Um, you know people like Fowler and Gebser and Kohlberg and Lovinger um, and so on. So he kind of took all these developmental ideas. And, and, then, and, then, and then he incorporated um, a lot of um, religious traditions as well. And he kind of he, and he created this model. Um, we call it the AQAL model. It's AQAL, all quadrants, all levels. Um, you can easily find that on Google if you just type in AQAL, do an image search, boom, you'll get a million different versions of this. Um, but it's basically a a four quadrant model, and you have in the upper uh, upper left hand corner you have the I quadrant, which concerns the interior self, so your subjective me space, right? Um, how you feel on the inside, right? And then you have on the upper right you have the it uh, the Sort of exterior eye, or you know, your biological body, or the physical space around you, right? Just um, uh, and that's sort of you know, your brain, your behavior, all the objective facts about you, right? So, um, and and that's and that's true for all for all the quadrants on the left versus the right. So on the left side, it's all about sort of subjective interiors. On the right side, it's all about objective exteriors. And on the bottom. Bottom left, you have the we space, which is the cultural sort of worldview space. Um, Again, interior collective. Okay. And then on the lower uh, right-hand side, you have the it space, which is our social systems, um, sort of our objective exterior uh, collective space. Um, That would include politics, that would include economics, um, and, and all the stuff that that uh, I talk about with with panarchy is is pretty solidly in that you know lower left quadrant. Um, and so so that's the map. And then in that in those quadrants you have your different levels. Um, and of course we color code those levels just for ease of understanding when we're talking to each other. We kind of know what we're talking about if we say red. You know we know what level that is and and what the characteristics of it are. Um, but I guess that's one of the biggest problems with integral is all the jargon, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a, um, a criticism even within the integral community. A lot of people in the integral community have, have trouble with the jargon as well. It makes it extremely inaccessible from the outside. It's like, if you don't know it, you have no idea what we're talking about. Um, and so that is a challenge um, in talking about these things obviously, but uh. yeah,
0: it does. Uh, it almost some of the language that I've seen, um, from integral, um, theorists, I guess <clears throat> is it does ring almost like, you know, Masonic initiation. Yeah. Um, you know, you, 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 you start out with a very basic conversation like this, um, mm-hmm. and you learn the higher truths or whatever, uh, or at least the higher doctrines maybe, right. um, as you kind of go along. Uh, and, you know, I mean, That's in in any sort of complicated or complex system. That's sort of the way it needs to go. I mean, look at, look at, look at libertarianism just as a framework that everyone here, everyone listening probably can identify with Um, 10 years ago, libertarianism was synonymous with constitutionalism. I mean, people were asking what's the difference between a libertarian the libertarian party because also libertarianism was synonymous with the party that bore its name um and the constitution party uh in america anyway Mm -hmm. um it has taken since you know the ron paul revolution or whatever uh, so we're in 2021 now so that's what 13 years um Mm -hmm. to really understand that libertarianism isn't all about politics and it's certainly not all about a party. Um, But, you know, it was a good place to start the bill of rights, you know? Um, Okay, great. So talk a little bit about like the progression of societies. I think this is the coolest thing about integral theory. Like it starts out with just the savage man basically. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. So you start out in beige with, you know, survival—sort of this survival instinct—and it's all really just about, you know, the basic needs of of food, shelter, procreation. You know, that, th- those are—that's sort of what that whole um, developmental level is concerned with. Um, and so you can kind of imagine like primitive man, maybe even before we discovered fire. You know, just you know, two hundred and fifty thousand years ago, roaming the savannas of Africa, and that's just that—that's beige. Okay, um, very animalistic, totally at the mercy of nature, entirely at the mercy of nature. So um, that's where we start, and there aren't really any good examples of that in modern life, except maybe. Uh, you know, the mentally ill or like homeless people with mental impairments like that, that are just, you know, they're just, all they're
0: doing is surviving and they're completely
1: at the whim of their environment. Okay. That's kind of the characteristics of that level.
0: Would the, so even like the tribal societies that, you know, if your boat should happen to float up on their Island, they murder you. Would that would that even be like a step above this? That would be
1: more advanced. Yeah. Yeah. That okay. Would be even more advanced than because
0: because it goes from individual to collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so okay. Great. And so
1: yes, this is an individualistic stage. Beiges. Uh-huh. Um,
0: you know, it's uh, what,
1: one of the warm stages we'd say, but um, then you go to purple or magenta if you like Wilbur's uh, color scale, and um, and and that's your sort of uh, your tribal stage. Um, and that is a communal stage and um, it's also called um, the magic stage um, and the the primary difference there is um, is the idea that you can you can control your environment through the use of magic uh, Now magic meaning things like things like creating fire or, somehow um manipul- manipulating your environment in order to produce results right so,
0: essentially any technology uh sufficient sufficiently complex
1: right and, and it could be as simple as you know praying to your tribal gods or making offerings to your tribal gods in order to ensure you know a good harvest or a successful hunt or rain or you know whatever whatever it is that your tribe needs okay but you know a, a, At this stage, the, the conception of the individual is lost in the tribe. So, so you very much think of yourself as your tribe. You don't, there's no, there's very little differentiation between you and your tribe.
0: I want to, I want to, I want to stick to magic for just a second, because it's something that I'm having trouble wrapping my head around and we're hearing a lot about it lately, um, Mm -hmm. So there's two, different, there's two different things that you just gave as examples for magic. One is fire, fire being a technology. Um, and then there's that old quote. Um, it's something like, any, any technology sufficiently misunderstood is indistinguishable from magic, magic. or some, something like that. But then there's also the sort of superstitious aspect yes. of magic
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, where you think that because I did X, uh, like real world impact happened
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: um so are those are how how are i guess those two things related um and i'm asking you to brainstorm with me uh, unless there's actually an answer to it well i mean they're
1: related in the sense that at this stage of development um uh basically so the magic is outside of yourself right so you're calling on the magic from the from the environment um and you may have to do some ritual in order for that to happen, um, but uh, but you're basically taking uh, your. It's the first stage where you're able to take the environment and and manipulate it for for your own ends, and that's the magic. That's the um, the, the manipulation of those energies. I guess is the magic. Um, so whether the purpose is to create create fire and you have some ritual involving you know taking an ember and how what what you do with that ember and you know praying and blowing your life force into it or whatever you know whatever that that sort of ritual uh is and that creates an effect and and then you know but they wouldn't see that as i'm the one creating the fire right you you would see that as as sort of a magical force that that you're manipulating um, and then the, and so, so while we would see that as a technology from, from that magical standpoint, there is no difference between creating that fire and dancing for rain. I mean, those two things are the same, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. So, and do you think, uh, do you think that right now there's kind of a lot of that going on, um. I'm thinking a lot, uh, a lot about, you know, the, the storming of the Capitol was the, uh, the, the, an assault on the temple of democracy and, you know, Oh, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna beat COVID, we have to, we have to go through these rich, just wear the damn mask, just Mm -hmm. stay home, um, flatten the curve, all of these like, uh, Spe- well, almost remember, spells or whatever but one thing to remember
1: that integral teaches us is that we all have these levels within us mm-hmm. yeah and, and okay okay so we can draw on them at any time and what tends to happen is the more dire one's circumstances and the more threatened ones one feels right. the lower and lower they you regress to pull out you know solutions so you can imagine that um you know Regular, loyal, patriotic, church-going Americans, amber, blue level, right. If pushed really hard, will regress into red, right, and, and tribalism, even into magic. You know, well, and we all will.
0: That's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pushed hard enough. Sure, yeah. yeah, and that. So, a lot of the charts that you see, um, in addition to the colors, they also have sort of ages um, at which these things develop in the individual um so like the the childhood
1: development and so on Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so this magic stage is from like the age of one till about the age of three Mm -hmm. um okay great so and basically what that what that is is where the child is kind of learning look if i if i you know make this make this muscle tense my finger moves or whatever well Uh,
1: no it's more like um you know it's more the, ch- this, I, and I'm not an expert on child development. No, no, no. So yeah, really, it's fine. I don't really know at all, but um, you know uh, you could think of it as like, you know, uh, how does a two-year-old react when you, um, when you leave the room and appear again? Like if you pick, play, oh, okay. play peekaboo with a, with a child, right? Well, from the child's perspective, when you, when you hide, you're gone like you literally disappear from the world. You are, you are out. Okay. And then when you reappear magically, you're there again. So, I mean, you can think of it in that sense, like peekaboo to a child, the game is, has way bigger consequences than it does for us. (laughs) It's like, and so, and then, and they respond accordingly. Like, they're just like, wow. You know? So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of one way to think about it, I I guess, but um, yeah. All
0: right. Awesome. So what's next after magic? Uh, uh, So,
1: so then we have the egoistic stage. So the, the fundamental thing about the egoistic stage is that you, that um, this is the stage where you realize that you have the power within you. So you're, it's no longer about, Um, drawing magic from the outside world and manipulating the the outside world, you are now the source of power or your gods or whatever, right? You are, or, you know, so this is sort of the, (laughs) I like to call it the Conan, the barbarian stage. (laughs) You know, Um, it's, um, or the Viking stage, right? It's, uh, it's very, um, um, you know, all of these, all of these powers um, that f- were formally um, assigned to nature or, um, you know, the great volcano or whatever the, whatever the, whatever the force was that, 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 that it's assigned to is, is now personalized. So it's now the God of Thunder Thor, you know he's a man, he's a guy that you could actually talk to. Like you can stand there and look at him,
0: you know? And this is back to an individualist in the oscillation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's very, um, it's very egocentric. It's very narcissistic. Um, and I'm not saying these things in a negative light. I mean, like at a, at a stage appropriate level, these are important things, right? Um, it's It's the stage at which, um, people build their their self-confidence. It's the stage at which people develop their their sense of personal power. So it's a very important stage um, uh, But um, it's pathologies are also pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a uh, well, and the ages on on the chart is ages three to six, which is um, right. That's when, according to personality psychology anyway, that's when a child's personality is basically set. You know, around the age of four is, you know, h- how you act at the age of four is probably how you're going to act. Um, the and, and this is more from a personality standpoint than an, than a behavior standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. But it it is it is a very important stage, I think, in personal development and probably in uh, right. and so societal development This is the stage like in well.
1: childhood development where you'll see um, things like bullying start to mm-hmm. happen
0: um and being power, the victim and, power, and being and, the, victim and, and be the victim of bullying as well yeah
1: yeah yeah sure so um so yeah that's uh, that's very important and it's it, from a social standpoint you know we're talking about um uh chiefdoms we're talking about the the rise of empires thing like the roman empire or the babylonian empire or the, that type of thing um sort of the the god king <laughs> is very is a very red concept uh, egocentric
0: concepts so um so yeah that's kind of that that stage i'd say all right great so then after after that uh can you tell me what you call it again the ego stage
1: uh, egocentric for egocentric for mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah great yeah. Uh, and then so after that is amber i believe right
1: after that is amber or blue if you're talking spiral dynamics and uh-huh. blue blue like a cool color that's a that's a communal stage um that that has a lot of different names. Um, some people call it traditionalist, uh, authoritarian. Um, you could call it. Um, uh, it's the mythic membership is another word that's used sometimes, or term that's used sometimes. It's basically so now power is no longer you know it's no longer I have the power, but we have the power. And and the we in this case is your, you know, your um, not tribe, but let's say like culture or nation or um, uh, or you know, it could be a kingdom or whatever, right? And 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 that power comes from a a source, and that source traditionally has been a god. So, and like in a monotheistic sense of a God Um, or in the modern sense, like in modern times when we've seen this crop up, the source of power could be um, an authority figure, Stalin, Mao Zedong, you know, Hmm. or something like that. Or, Or a concept like the fatherland, the motherland you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's very nationalistic, it's very ethnocentric, it's very, um, you know, my, uh, my side can do no wrong. So <laughs> kind of um, uh, the, that type of thing. So it's uh, patriotic, it's very patriotic. <laughs> so yeah, um, I would say like the bulk of humanity really right now is at this stage. Okay. Um, actively, yeah.
0: And this is also, um, you know, the, well, sure. And, and you just have to listen to, you know, a Jeff Dice speech um, <laughs> to, to to know that. I mean, it's all about hearth and home. And, you know, and there's there's good and bad uh, from this. I mean, you, you know, you, the, from the same these, sort of- All
1: these stages are beautiful. I mean, they all yeah, are good and bad. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So from this, um, you get things like fundamentalist religions and- even fascism you can but you Um, also but you also get like a a good sense of purpose and a sense of right and wrong and mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so yeah yeah i think this is a very formative stage it's
1: uh yeah and so this is the and so this stage is also important because um it marks the shift from what's what's sometimes called pre-conventional to conventional um yeah describe that so um this is sort of an ego development kind of framework, but um, conventional being. Um,
0: shoot, you're going to make me describe this, huh? <laughs> no, it's fine. So, is it like? Is it is it like is it like um, we we have gone from uh, th- we do this because it pleases the gods to we do this because we do this?
1: No, it's it's okay. it's more. Um, Oh, gosh, it's more like law oriented or we so rather than um, uh, obedience oriented or like self self interest driven type of sort uh, drives, I guess, internal drives, um, you know, where I, I follow orders because uh, because the guy above me tells me to or the, the more powerful uh a guy tells me to do it so i do it it's more like i do it because the rules
0: say i have to do it right okay so it is it's about conventions like
1: yeah yeah mm. and like and like so, like social conventions um traditions mm. that type of thing right
0: and again that's <laughs> like you said this is where a lot of people are
1: law and order law and order is yeah. big for convention for sure um thinkers and then um And then you go on, like in in the higher stages, your post-conventional, which is a little gives you a little more freedom, I guess, of thinking.
0: Yeah. So moving. So this seems like where in America conservatives are, a lot of the time.
1: A lot of the time, yes.
0: And after so, and then after this is uh, the, I guess it's orange in both. Orange. Yeah. Yeah. Orange in both. Yes
1: um so orange is typically called modernism or
0: and it's where a lot of libertarians are
1: uh yeah well particularly i would say like
0: Well, and classical liberals broadly speaking
1: classical liberals is probably a better way to put it because libertarians have a little bit of something extra that you don't see in orange um but orange is the first stage where you where you start to have universal values. So in other words, values that don't just apply to me and my people, but values that apply to everyone, right? So sort of the universal rights of man, that type of idea um, comes in, at orange. And orange is, orange is, again, a more individualistic stage. So... Um, uh, people at orange are, are, it's, it's sometimes called the strive drive stage or the stage at which, um, you know, rather than working for, um, uh, working for my God or, you know, work, you know, or being uh, working out of a sense of loyalty to something I'm working out of, I'm working toward a sense of achievement for myself. Um, or I want to achieve something within my society.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's sort of the drive at Orange.
0: And this is sort of also where we, where we see the beginning of like the scientific method and yes, rationality, it, scientific industrialization scientific. too. Is industrialization, that? absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Orange, is, Orange is often considered the um, the wealth generation stage, mm-hmm. the stage at which societies go from being sort of medieval to modern. Um, And so it's an important stage because uh, it creates all of the wealth that green is going to later spend. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's pretty important. I mean.
0: All right. uh, Well with that, let's get into green then.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So green, um, green comes about, uh, and I should say that sort of all of these stages of development they they emerge as a result
0: of the excesses of the stage before mm. yes okay so do they do they emerge following catastrophe most of the time
1: they don't um, or is that not necessarily most, the case? I, I think historically probably that the catastrophe results is the result of the excesses of mm. you know. See, I have this. It's like this idea of a of a wave, right? And you have, you know, the way the wave function peaks at an apex, sort of the highlight, the golden age, and then it starts to to drop and and um, and devolve, I guess, or metastasize, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, so, so all of these stages kind of go through this life cycle, and um, so you know, orange comes about as a result of the excesses of um the 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 blue you know monarchies of the world and
0: you know sort of feudalism feudalism and all that
1: and and aristocracy and um you know hereditary versus merit type of achievement and all that kind of stuff all of those things start um start causing uh, uh Life conditions, as they say mm-hmm. in thermodynamics, to to shift, and um, and then a new a new wave emerges to to solve those issues. Um, so the same thing happens with orange. You know, orange is a very materialistic uh, stage of development, mm-hmm. um, and whether you're talking about it in terms of you know um, like. Uh, libertarian or liberal materialism or in the ter- or, or in terms of um socialist or communist materialism mm-hmm. it's very yep. reductionist it reduces everything to material wealth who has it who doesn't how it's generated you know um and so the problems that 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 come about because of that uh, need to be solved and green comes in to solve those problems. And what green? What green says is, you know, green is concerned with. Whereas orange is concerned with equality, green is concerned with equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, green was concerned with fairness. It's concerned with. Um, uh, it's. It's also con- It's also concerned with. Um, sort of a more holistic more global impact so you know things like environment um, and and the harm of industrialization on the environment so all of these excesses of orange green comes in to try and heal those whether it's income inequality or you know and and so um, you know for when I when I when I talk about green, because I come at it from a very libertarian st- standpoint, I actually consider libertarians to be a green stage, Okay. more so than an orange stage. You know, orange stage. You're. I'm talking. I'm talking more about classical liberalism as orange. Libertarians, um, because they have this. You know, you can think of libertarians as sort of. You know, the pot smoking conservatives. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's—I mean—the reason we think of them that way is because they've—they are um, integrating all of those sort, all of the green sort of concerns, but um, coming at it from a completely different direction.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then
1: than the typical green like, um, you know, uh, social change because green, of course, is again a very communal stage. So, um, what's important to remember though is that you can have you can go through these stages. You don't necessarily have to follow the, you know, the bent of the stage. You can go through a communal stage in a very agentic way or a very
0: individualistic way. Yeah. Agentic is a word that I had never heard until I started reading you. So uh, that's basically just um, individual agency. Agency. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, So, uh, so yeah, I mean, so again, uh, you know, green is, um, very concerned with um, tempering orange, creating sort of, you know, it's, 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 it's very the greatest, you know, greatest good for the greatest number.
0: Um, so what about, the, what about the, the libertarian, I mean, some people think that libertarianism is synonymous with individualism. Um, how do you square that with this being a cool color, uh, sort of collectivist stage? Um,
1: Well, yes, libertarians are very individualistic. But at the same time, at least my experience in libertarian spheres is that they are very concerned with, like, for example, the greatest good for the greatest number. Mm -hmm. But how they approach that is very different. So they would approach that from an individual standpoint. They would say the greatest good for the greatest number is achieved by granting people the freedom to um, pursue their own goals and pursue their own happiness. Yeah. And then, and, and basically not, not award, not rewarding, um, you know, not playing favorites. So, so in other words, Here's, here, so the, the libertarian critique of Orange, of course, is sort of the same critique that actually that um, same critique of the socialist the socialist critique of Orange, which is that um, which is that Orange tends to capture the regulatory sphere and create favorites. Mm. So you know the banks or the oil industry or whatever, right? Um, you know, libertarians are against that every bit as much as socialists. Yeah, um, you know, sort of the corporate takeover of of the upper, you know, the levers of power, right? Um, so, I think the goals are the same. Libertarians, on the one hand, and socialists, on the other. This one of the things I realize as I kind of get get more and more um, in integral spaces. Mm-hmm and, and thinking about these things is that um, the goals are the same, but there's something in our brains that's just different. And, and, and so the way we conceptualize and the way we think about these things is just completely different. Yeah. And, and, and that causes us to um, not only think that, that the solutions should be different, but to think that the other guy's solutions are actually evil. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I and'm I'm, I'm a I'm a gay man living in Minneapolis and so I think that Minneapolis being one of the most progressive cities in the I mean it's like Portland jr right. um, I think that might be why I identified that you know look we're we're looking at the same problems here and mm-hmm. maybe we have different solutions, but at least we're heading in there in the same direction right um, and it, it's definitely something that will help us get into, an integral stage. But before um before we get before we move on to uh the next the next tier. Um well let's talk first of all, let's talk about tiers. Mm-hmm. Uh because this green stage is the end or the top of the first tier of yeah. the uh the um progression, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh yeah, so you have the first tier and the second tier um and the first tier. Those sort of six stages in that first tier are the self-referential stages, or they're basically stages. the the the, the, big, the biggest difference is that when you're in the fir- when you're in those first tier stages, you're you're unable to um, see outside of your current worldview lens. So, if you're at green, you see the world through that green lens mm-hmm. period you're not able to really you're not able to take off those green glasses and put on some blue glasses or take off those blue you know bl- you know blue glasses and put on some orange glasses you're
0: not able to do that which is which is where like cancel culture and the sort of authoritarian yeah. authoritarian why, relativism comes yeah. in
1: and it's why green for example so green is as sort of the leading edge of our current society it's where all of our you know, academics, social cues come from um, political correctness and all of that, all of that at this, at this time stems from green green has a, has an impossible time figuring out the uh, their, their interlocutors. So like what you, what you often see is you see a lot of people at lower stages that adopt the outward appearance of a higher stage in order to gain um, social standing. Oh, okay. So red. So the lower stages, particularly uh, well, all of them do it. Red, red, Amber, or red, blue, orange. will all do this. Okay. And the way they do it is slightly different. So what orange does is it um, virtue signals to green. Um, and so that this would be like a corporation that puts solar panels on top of its roof. Right. Oh, look at us. We're, we're green, you know, um, or an oil company that invests in electric vehicles, you know? Yeah. Right. So, you know, these are all sort of just signals. They're just trying to, you know, uh, you know, it's like the, and sometimes this goes horribly long, wrong, like Gillette razors, you know, and their, <laughs> and, their
0: <laughs> and their dude bro ad, right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, so sometimes this goes really wrong for them, but you know, that's what it is. Is It's, it's, that's what orange tries to do is it tries to, um, you know, uh, gain success by signaling at the, at the level that, that that's driving social that's driving our Mm -hmm. social sphere right what blue does is blue takes on green as a religion so um this is where the woke religion comes from or what some some people call the blue church or whatever um Mm -hmm. that's that's where um, blue is taking on the, um, the sort of ideas of green and taking them on as articles of faith and then persecuting the non-believers.
0: Okay. So that's where that comes from. So not so quite, you're... so not quite Pope Francis. I mean, he's not necessarily persecuting the, the non-believers, but, um, like the church down the street that, uh, but Pope Francis has definitely put on that green facade, Well, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking
1: about adopting green values as a religion. Okay. So, Oh, okay. Like social justice warrior type wokesters that are out there just like pounding, pounding people and canceling people. And, you know, all of that stems not from green, but from amber or from blue. Um, That's a blue drive. So, um, so it's interesting because, at first tier, we can't tell the difference. If it quacks like a duck, we think it's a duck. But at integral, at those higher stages, that second tier, we can tell the difference. We can look at it and go, yeah, the, that's not green. That's, okay. just, that's just blue quacking like green. <laughs> Imitating it. Yeah. <laughs> Imitating it, exactly.
0: Okay. And so some of the, so some of the, some of the great things about green is like a heavy focus on communication um and giving everyone sort of a fair shot yeah uh but then on the other hand some of the some of the downfalls are um you know cultural relativism which can lead you down pretty nihilism yeah scary Mm -hmm. paths yeah exactly yeah um And also, you know, I mean, a bad a bad idea is just as good as a good idea. And oh yeah, we should we should probably entertain both of those thoughts. I I mean, I've sat, I I know I've sat in meetings at work that, well, I mean, (laughs) uh, it's always nice to have a decision maker in the room who, um, who can say, yeah, that's a great idea, or no, I don't think we should do that. Uh, Okay, Um, so next. After green, we go into the second tier. And so is it, do you think Wilbur was, um, do do you think that this is a little bit convenient that he uh, made second tier what he was writing about? Well, he didn't. So
1: second tier didn't come from Wilbur. That came from Beck. That came from Don Beck and and Spiral Dynamics. So, um, So as early as that as early as spiral dynamics and, and clerical Graves and all that, they made a distinction between first and second tier. Um, and really saw the, the jump from green to yellow or green to teal. If you like, if you like that, uh, better, um, as, as a, a, a big shift, right. It's, it's not just, not just sort of a normal, um, the normal progression but this is really a whole new paradigm um so but but yeah so um wilbur adopted that idea and i think it, and i think it's true i mean actually i i think there's a pretty big shift from red to blue so sometimes i'll say you know before red you have that's tier zero mm-hmm. and then you have tier one and i kind of break it up into threes rather you know that makes sense um but, but in any case, what Spiral Dynamics did was it just broke. It, it did see a, a big a distinction between between green
0: and, and yellow. Okay, and so describe yellow to us. This is where this is where we've gone beyond where we live now. Um, there are a handful of people who actually are in this stage, but not very many yeah. yet. But if more this than,
1: more than you might think, actually, right. I think I think it's I think it's really gotten legs in the last decade. Um, yeah, so like when Wilbur was first writing about this stuff back in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, you may it may have been like five percent of the population, but now I think it's I, I think it's a lot bigger than that. Maybe even be closer to ten to fifteen percent of the population. Um, so it has it has really gotten legs, I think, um, in the last decade. But basically, this stage is um it is again it's an individualistic stage and a lot of uh integralists have have problems with that (laughs) they don't like that characterization and the reason i think is that in integral spheres much like in any other uh stage of development you'll still have people from lower stages that are I wouldn't say lower state. That's, it's kind of a bad way to put it because again, you have lines. And so people
0: are, people may be at integral on certain lines of development, but not on others. So, and when you're, so yeah, let's, let's really, let's make a distinction there. So you've got all quadrants, all levels, and the quadrants are the uh, the exterior and interior, and the individual and collective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the levels are these things that we've been describing, right. and they're and they're uh, they're illustrated by concentric so- circles within those quadrants. Generally speaking, yep. Um, so the lines you'll often see uh, what you know. I mean, it looks like an asterisk, but with different different lengths little of spokes. each line. Yeah, yeah spokes. spokes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, what are those lines? Do, I mean, I, they're very rarely labeled, so I don't really know what they are
1: because there are too many of them. (laughs) Sure. I mean, they're infinite. Practically. I mean, you can, you can practically say they're infinite. So any line of development, it could be techno technological, it could be biological. It could be, um, it could be social, cultural art, you know, artistic, Um, it could be moral, ethical, philosophical. I mean, basically any 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 line of discipline you can think of would be that would
0: be a line of Mm -hmm. development. Conflict resolution, would that be? Yeah. So so these lines they they emanate from the center of these concentric circles, which illustrate the levels. Mm -hmm. They extend to where whichever level the individual or culture that we're describing. Um, is at that at you know, yeah at that point. Um, right. So you might be you might be uh, green um, in say like communication for instance, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. accepting of all of all messages uh, and you know giving them like equal shot or like give everybody a fair shot at at their input. But you might be at a say like blue in. Terms of um, like conflict resolution, sure, or yeah. or how you feel the so- the society should be structured, which right. would which would be sort of the making a religion out of out of greenness, I guess.
1: Right, and you know they say um, these things. There's a term called tetra arise, which kind of basically means that these things tend to pull each o- pull at each other. Okay. You know, so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's extremely rare unless there's some sort of, um. you know, uh, some sort of medical or, me, you know, issue at hand. It's very rare to see someone at say a cognitive, a really high cognitive level and a really low moral level, you know, like, so, so say like someone who's morally at, or- at red and cognitively at turquoise or something that would, that would be really rare and would probably signal something, some sort of severe mental, like narcissistic disorder. Or Or like
0: sociopathy or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the, the, those levels, those level or those lines, they tend to pull at each other. Um, So people generally just aren't too far off, but it is extremely common for example, to see someone who's cognitively at say, you know, uh, turquoise, teal or turquoise, um, but is maybe morally or ethically a green, you know? And so that disassociation, that slight disassociation will cause them to react differently to different things. So if, mm-hmm. I'm, in a, if I'm in an integral form and I'm talking about panarchy and I run into someone who, who is like that, like I just described, you know, they're going to approach any sort of social organization from a green point of view. Okay. Even, even though in other lines, they may be at, you know, at a much higher level. Um, they're going to approach that sphere
0: from a, from a lower vantage point. Okay, great. Um, so, and when you say cognitively, you actually mean like uh, the ability to parse information. Is yep. that? Thinking,
1: yeah. yeah. Structures okay. of thinking. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Uh, okay, let's get into integral then, which is yellow or teal.
1: Yeah, so um, you know, this is again, this is the this is sort of the introductory stage for um, for this next tier, and and the 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 real big distinction from the previous tier is the ability again, like I was explaining earlier, to sort of change those glasses, mm-hmm. so um, and to and to create and to start to create mental maps, sort of uh, meta frameworks of of these um these other areas of development and really start to see the bigger picture like you can you can almost you can almost imagine like you know it's like the the people who first learned to fly you know and they for forever and ever all they saw the world was from the ground point of view like from just standing on the ground and the first guy who jumped into an airplane and was able to fly suddenly they could see the whole landscape right they could see everything spread out before them and, and that's kind of the difference. It's a huge difference. So, you know, the ability to, to, to really see the world again through, through those different lenses and kind of really understand, you know, where people are coming from and where, where issues are coming from, you know, it's powerful because you can really see, okay, and understand why someone thinks the way they do um, why things are happening a certain way. Um, and, and you can really parse that out. And, and it also, it also is a level where, you know, it's much easier to see your own biases and to understand those.
0: Um, so it kind of sounds like where green wishes they were or thinks they are even.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's true. Because at green, you um, at green, you start to get a hint of those things, but you're still you're still blinded by your own perspective. So you're not quite you're mm-hmm. not quite able to shed that perspective and really look at things from a from a higher vantage point.
0: There's a there's an oft cited um, statistic. I think Jonathan Haidt might've been the one who, who did the study on it, but um, basically it says that progressives, uh, which broadly are green, have a much harder time of describing their political opponents' positions than conservatives who broadly speaking are somewhere in the blue, orange uh, realm. What do you think accounts for that? I think
1: that is um, not, I don't know if that's, I know what you're talking about because I've read some Jonathan Haidt um, and my interpretation of that is not necessarily being level dependent, but more um, uh, bias dependent or I would say like, you know, are you more on the uh, interior agentic side of the equation or individualistic side of the equation, or are you more on the communal side of the equation? So it's just a matter of kind of what your values are on that on that spectrum, and um, and 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 then from that standpoint, from you know, sort of, I, I think Jonathan Haidt was talking about like um, valuing, placing value in, 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 along certain moral lines um, as well. Um, but being able to understand, so being able to understand if you, so I think, and and I can't remember in which book this was, but Jonathan Haidt described, it was like, I want to say like six or seven different moral lines. Um, uh, and that, uh, liberals quote unquote, Mm. um, tended to favor certain moral lines, um, Things like fairness, um, fairness was a big one. I can't remember what the others were, but as um, I'm, I'm just kind of going off.
0: off. Right, yeah. He and actually, you, the 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 listener can go to yourmorals.com dot or dot org. I don't remember which. I'll put a link okay, um, and actually take a quiz and tell where they where they come up on on all this. It's pretty fascinating stuff. I think it's in the righteous mind that he talks about that.
1: Yes. The righteous mind. Thank you. Um, yeah. And he, and he actually differentiated not only between liberals and conservatives, but he also differentiated libertarians because libertarians were slightly different.
0: Yeah. He, he says that he's the only one who's ever done a study like that with Mm libertarian.
1: So it's really interesting. I definitely, um, really cool to take a look at. Um, I mean, I definitely think Jonathan Haidt is, is an integral thinker. Um, in that, in in the sense that he's really looking at, he's really able to like,
0: look at the, look at the sort of the map of the territory and kind of figure it out. Um, I wonder if he knows that or if it's just something that came naturally to him. Um, And actually that maybe that's why when uh, the two, these are the two kind of like uh, the psychologists that a couple of years ago, all of the all of the red pilled people were just loving to listen to Jonathan Haidt and Jordan Peterson, and Jonathan Haidt. Gets, Pinker and yeah, and then there's Stephen Pinker and Gad and, and them. Um, but Haidt has a lot more cachet than Peterson socially, and I, I think that's probably why. I mean, Peterson is great, but he he definitely comes from that kind of orange uh, standpoint. I think. It's just that they're both, it's just that they're, they're reacting to the green from different, from different levels. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Or, or they just have a different way of expressing it. Um, Mm -hmm. I give more. I give Jordan Peterson a little more credit. Um, It's hard to tell though, a lot of times, um, you know, unless you really sit down and talk to these guys and and, and really kind of dissect them.
0: Yeah, sure. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd hate to be the psychiatrist on, on, CNN diagnosing Trump with, right. uh, with narcissistic personality disorder or whatever. So yeah, maybe we shouldn't dig too deep into that. Why don't we dig deeper into um, some of the jargon that comes in this integral stage? Uh, what, for instance, what is a holarchy and what's a holon? Okay, so a holon is
1: basically just um, a uh, a whole made up of parts, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So you can think of it like a word is made up of letters, right? So a a word would be a holon that is made up of other holons and so on down. It's like turtles all the way down, right? Um, And so a holarchy is a hierarchy of holons, okay? Okay. So, um, you know, and hierarchy is a bad word for green. That's another difference between integral and green is... Okay. Integral is not afraid of hierarchies Um, as long as they aren't dominator hierarchies. Uh, So, so there's a
0: distinction there. Which we, which will get us into panarchy, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, So uh, yeah. So, so, like I said, integral is not allergic to hierarchies as long as they're not dominator hierarchies. But a whole, but a holarchy is is natural, so it's of course not a dominator hierarchy. It, it's it's a natural occurring hierarchy uh, of holons. So you can think of uh, uh, the example that's often given is you know letters to words to sentences to paragraphs to chapters to books, right? So that that's a holarchy of separate holons. Um, each more developmentally complex than the other. And another aspect of that is to think of, you know, that, the, that a word has much more meaning than just the collection of letters that, con- that it contains. So, you know, jumbling a bunch of letters together doesn't necessarily mean anything, but if you if it's a word that it carries much more meaning than, than just the combination of those letters. And in the same sense, a sentence carries way more meaning than just a, a heap of words, a paragraph, a chapter a book, so on. So not only do they get, not only do they, um, you know, become bigger in a sense, but they also have way more depth. Um, so I don't know if I, if that's, if that's a, a good explanation or not but,
0: No, I think it is. So yeah, basically a, a, so a holon is it is something that is in itself complete but also is a component part of something else that's in itself complete. Exactly. Um, kind of like a like a glue on and you to You can think it of a, it
1: as going you can think of it as going all the way up and all the way down yeah.
0: infinitely. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Uh, and I guess also one thing to to point out, and I don't think we did earlier and probably should have um, is that each of these levels encompasses the ones that came before it. Right. Is that, is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that, that also gets into the whole lot. I mean, green is a whole on to itself. Uh, but also all of the previous ones were while well, also being holons are component parts of green and right. it's like, an that's onion. yeah. And that's why that's why I think um, the integral stage, the uh, yellow or teal, is tough for us to wrap our heads around, given that we've grown up in a green. I mean, I would I would place the beginning of like broadly speaking the green like era or whatever as sort of the the World War One to Great Depression to World War Two, and especially the dropping of the atomic bomb. Um, Yeah,
1: so it's interesting how these things come online because um, uh, often what you'll see is, um, you know, different lines will come on first. So uh, green philosophically, the the sort of philosophy line, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: green came online, you know, 150 years ago or more. Oh, okay um so it's, it's it's been around for a while the ideas have been around
0: for who a while. who were some of the originators would you say i mean i i wouldn't consider like kant a, a green thinker i would think he would be more orange or maybe not
1: um well i think you begin to see it in um,
0: like sterner maybe
1: yeah some of the like in my view, if I if I were just going to take my opinion, sure, people can have different opinions on this. It's, it's not set in stone or anything. Because again, these these people weren't thinking of themselves in these terms. You just kind of have to identify what are the sort of characteristics that mm-hmm. that, that point you in that direction. Well,
0: and and your view so is I a would, whole your view is a whole on of uh, what the yeah, actual, um, like fully say, formed thing would yeah. be. So,
1: and I would say I would say, um, for example. Some of the um some of the early anarchists would would okay. fit that so picture. like Tucker and tucker spooner uh, maybe spooner definitely um, uh or even like even some of the socialist anarchists I would put in that category proud Holm, for sure. and, um, and uh so from a sort of political standpoint i would I would go in that direction, but um you know maybe. I have a hard time with it. I, and I kind of waffle back and forth. I think Marx was more orange than green. Yeah. But sometimes he would just about get there. Um, but not quite. I don't, I don't think I can really place him there. Okay. Um, but then, um, so you start out with, so you start start out in that sort of developmental line. And then if you think, um, you, you know, you uh, know, I would say sort of from a, if we're talking about um, our lower left social development, you know, politics and all that kind of stuff, that didn't really start to come into green, I would say, until you started, we started making real big gains in civil rights. Um, And so really kind of, you know, mid 60s, even into the 90s um is sort of the heyday of green i would say you know it, you start with you sort of start with sort of the civil rights movement and you end with maybe gay marriage or something like that you know so sort of that spectrum of time where you know we start making advances in kind of making the world a, a more fair equitable place cashing in on the promises of orange right because orange, orange makes all these promises—the Universal Rights of Man—and all that kind of stuff, but doesn't deliver right very well. And so green comes in and starts cashing that in, starts really um, calling orange to task and kind of making them put pony up. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> so do you think the do you think the shift from level to level, uh, which you know obviously it's more of a gradient than a than a switch, but uh, for sure. Um, do you think that they're, that they're speeding up?
1: Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think is the catalyst for that? Is it technology or
1: just, uh, I think technology has a lot to do with it, obviously uh, commu- the
0: speed of communication. Um, well, and even, even just the fact that, I mean, when you're encompassing all of the ones below you or that came before you, I, I, maybe, maybe below isn't the best word to use. Right. I'm thinking integrally really. Um, but uh, the, the more like, the more you have sort of stacked or prog- progressing, um, the more compact everything has to be. So that also compacts the timeline a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, you know, um, there are a lot of ways to kind of uh, skin that cat, but um, I definitely think that it is speeding up um, and it's speeding up really fast. So... <laughs>
0: um it's really and, scary to to a lot of people i mean
1: yeah yeah and it can be really confusing so you know it, c- because now what we have is we have this soup of this global soup of just all of these v memes together right and that's what's that very,
0: what, what's that word that you just used value v- memes so value memes okay these different
1: levels right mm-hmm. so you know in, in human in, in humanity's past that that's pretty rare typically for all of our evolution, if you were in a red society, it would be extremely rare for you to encounter anyone who wasn't in a red society, who wasn't at that level. Mm. Like it would just be, you know, everyone around you and almost every society around you is going to be at that level. You know, you may be able to travel thousands of miles and find some tribes or maybe you've enslaved some tribes, you know, Mm -hmm. but um there, there, there wasn't a lot of whole, a whole lot of depth there, um, except for in these transition periods, maybe. Um, but so, like, and now you, within the same country, you'll have a full spectrum of of people. Um, so it's just become a lot more complex, which has made politics a lot more difficult, right, um, and more complicated. But
0: well, and and it kind of necessitates authoritarianism as well. Uh, because, you know, I mean, when you have all these competing values, V memes, I like that, uh, can you, Can you? well, so when you have all these com- competing values, you have to have someone who's just gonna make the final decision, otherwise it's, or they would right. say it's chaos or anarchy or whatever. So the
1: democratic uh, solution to that is just to, have all of these v memes compete
0: with each other to find out which one's going to be able to pull all those power levers? You know, is uh, do you think democracy is the god that failed, or is democracy uh, something that we just need to hold on to with dear for dear life?
1: Well, I think democracy is sort of the functionally fit. F- functional fitness is a is another integral concept we can talk about, but it's basically the 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 functionally fit social operating system of the of the current age Uh um it won't always be that way and it wasn't always that way in the past but it's sort of it's sort of the best the best thing we have to work with at the moment um i know libertarians are going to hate me for saying that but um if you know i i'm a i i'm as um you know, anarchistic as, as the next hardcore libertarian, but um, I know that if we were just to flip a switch and, and, and all of a sudden we had a libertarian society, it wouldn't last very long, you know? Um, mm. And the reason it wouldn't last very long is because there just aren't enough people who are at the developmental level to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Like there's a reason that libertarianism is not popular and it's not because you're just not wording it right right yeah. um can we talk just a little bit about v memes and memetics in general um what a so how, how I guess yeah why don't you just describe it what 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 how would you define meme and v meme
1: well characteristics. So the popular use of the term meme is like you know that little image with you know, right a of text on it or something <laughs> yeah you can kind of think of it if we want to start there a meme is like an idea okay and an idea um an idea think of an idea as a as a virus for lack of a better word right and and so ideas like a virus spread from person to person so i'll take i have a meme i have this idea right and i pass it to you and then you pass it to someone else and, and so on and so forth. And it spreads throughout society. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's kind of the functional description of a mean. So a value meme, or a V mean is, is what it's called in spiral dynamics, small V cap, you know, capital M E M E is basically uh, is it's basically what we call these levels, right? So blue, the blue V mean, is uh, is is sort of the idea of all of those characteristics that make up that level of development, okay. and and it, it could have different aesthetic sort of components to it depending on the culture. You know whether it's um, you know whether it's in wh- whether you're ta- whether that blue V meme is appearing in like Nepal or it's in England or you know wherever it might ha- it might look slightly differently, but. The various components that make it blue are there, so that's kind of that's kind of what a V meme
0: is. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, so some of the uh, well, yeah. Why don't Why don't you talk about some of the benefits and if there are any downsides to this yellow or teal integral stage?
1: Um. Yeah, that's, it gets harder as you talk about higher levels because it's like, you know, this is sort of, we're we're at the very frontier of human development here. We're starting to get to like the, and so a lot of times it's like, you know, what does it really look like? If we talk about an integral yellow society and I, and I, and that's what I've been trying to do is kind of flesh that out. And you know, I conceive it as panarchy, right? And, but, but is that really, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's all kind of speculative at this point. Um, and so, you know, if, you know, for, for, for yellow, I think, um, you know, yellow is sort of the map making stage. And what can happen at yellow is that you become obsessed with your maps and you mistake the map for the territory Mm, mm -hmm. okay um that can be the downfall of yellow so you you just um you basically you know i don't even know how to describe describe it because I'm in it <laughs> so it's sure. kind of you know it's, it, it's a little bit difficult for me to really parse it out but that's I think that's kind of the gist of it is taking care not to mistake the map for the territory and just really get obsessed with um you know sort of the the
0: the the frameworks and the jargons yeah. and the, all, all that. The stuff. paralysis by analysis as we call That's it right. in like the business world. Okay, so um, after integral, we're, we're getting into real uncharted territory. Sure. Um, it's the turquoise stage mm-hmm. in both spiral dynamics and in Ken Wilber's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this chart that I'm looking at, it says holistic self. Is that what you'd call it too?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, holistic self. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that that again is when you start taking those those um, those maps and 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 looking at them holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's a we're coming back to a sort of a communal stage. Um, integralists have a hard time differentiating between some. Sometimes they have a really hard time differentiating between. Um, yellow and turquoise, because um, I think second tier stages, the transition between second tier stages is a little less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's just a, it's a little less harsh maybe than first tier stages. Because at second tier, you're able to see the whole map, and, and, in, and inhabit all of these stages and you're very aware of them. It's a little bit, it's a little bit softer. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but you're, but um, you know, so it's like, when am I, when am I really, when have I really come into turquoise and when, when am I still in yellow? It's that, that boundary is really fuzzy. Sure.
0: Well, and we don't have the, we don't really have the hindsight to, to be able to see the, the, the clear distinctions, if there are any. Right. But you know, the, the
1: sort of the, the biggest thing, um, one of the biggest thing or one of the biggest, um, uh, I guess differences is, and this, this gets a little bit complicated and technical, but um, that you are what they call construct aware so, and what that means is that you are able to um, you're able to sort of see yourself separate from yourself. I don't know if that makes sense, but you're you're kind of um, you're you're able to um, you know make a subject out of your object <laughs> <coughs> to look at to look at everything all of your all of the things that make up you and all the things or all the things that make up society or whatever you're looking at and and look at those as being aware that those are just constructs
0: and not not the thing itself i Mm. I think um a lot of people who have had like near-death experiences or psychedelic uh experiences tend to think that way this is the thing. So as we get into these higher levels,
1: it can be difficult for some people because we really start getting a little like woo-woo.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? And so um, it's, uh, you know, and it's hard to even um, talk about them because vocabulary doesn't quite do it justice. Mm-hmm. We just don't have the words. So even when I talk about it, like it's it's hard for me to like put words to what I'm talking about um, because uh, a lot of these stages are best accessed through um, what Wilbur would call states, um, and and so you can think of some of these stages as just just. Um, inhabiting these states for longer and longer periods of time. And, and I'm talking about like deep meditative states, um, Mm. sort of, you know, the the people talk about, um, you know, the, the oneness of the universe or sort of that, that sort of feeling of being connected to the all of all, or, you know, whatever you, there's so many ways that different, different traditions and different spiritual traditions talk about this, but, um, but essentially that's what we're talking about is uh, everything starts to, <laughs> I don't know, I, I have such a hard time describing it, but it's like everything just starts to kind of
0: melt, melt together and, and, and all right. of these different well, it, spheres
1: of life become kind of one in the same.
0: It's holistic. I mean, that's the best way to describe it, I think probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do people read,
1: so the, the danger though, is that, you know, people who, people who have never really experienced that, that level or that state talking about it to them is very difficult because they're going to look at you like, what, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So,
0: so it's, yeah, it becomes, becomes kind of hard. Do people regress? Like, I mean, if I've, if I've gone to a yellow stage, um, and some some trauma happens. Could I uh, could I drop back down to an orange stage, or is it more that line, like one particular line or two particular lines, just
1: no? It's um, entirely possible to regress. Um, happens all the time, and it could be temporary. You know, could just be like a, a glitch in the matrix or whatever. Um, Or, or it could be more permanent or it could just be for a really long time. Like you could have something, something could happen and you could just fall down a rabbit hole, so to speak, and regress to a certain stage and kind of stay there for a little while until you work out whatever, whatever uh, people call it um, shadow, but basically Uh you work out whatever shadow you have at that stage, you have to kind of work
0: that out before you can move forward again. So yeah, that happens all the and time. is the is that is the shadow like um, Jung's concept of the shadow? Yeah, or? similar.
1: Yeah, very close. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. The same, effectively. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. So it's
1: basically, um, you know, it's basically an unintegrated piece of a prior stage. Mm. So so you, you think of it like you know we go through these stages, but we may not exactly accomplish all the work that that we had to accomplish before we moved on. And so sometimes you just have to go back, you know, and you have to fix whatever, whatever problem you left behind.
0: Okay. Um, So then after holistic, we get into the third tier, uh, which is indigo, violet and ultraviolet. Yeah. And then just like the clear light. Um, (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And all of that is, all of that is super, super speculative at this point. I mean, it's, it's almost like saying, you know, we might as well be talking about, like, aliens and UFOs and yeah, whatever, you know. Um,
0: yeah, so. I, I think it is sort of the realm of sci-fi almost. Um, yeah. yeah. Just to, the, the, so the chart that I'm looking at, it describes it as unitive self, mm-hmm. um, action and non-action without attachment to outcome, mm-hmm. which to me that, like, w- it, it, just knowing what I know about Praxeology, like w- how could you act or not act without attachment to outcome? That doesn't make sense to me. Um well if you if you've if you've practiced you know
1: any of the sort of eastern religions like Buddhism, that that might make more sense to you. Mm, kind sure, of, like nirvana. Yeah. Well it's just unattachment in, in a set, sense, you know.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Okay, cool. So um there so spiral dynamics is a concept and a book, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what is Ken Wilbur's sort of uh, seminal work where people should start if they want to learn more about this?
1: Uh, if you've never read anything from Ken Wilbur and you kind of want to get um, uh, kind of just really want to get uh, the gist of it, I would read a brief history of everything mm-hmm.
0: by Ken Wilbur um, would you would you recommend digging into spiral dynamics or Wilbur first?
1: I would uh, Wilbur's way more accessible. okay. So I'd start there. Um, I mean, you can uh, spiral dynamics. The book is, is not that it's very academic. Mm -hmm. So if, if that's your thing, then by all means, um, you know, dig up a copy of that and read it. It's, it's really academic. It has a lot of information. It's very, um, it's a very good book. And for someone who's really, really studying this stuff, it's absolutely necessary to have that book in your library. Mm -hmm. Um, especially as a reference. But if you're just kind of like, you just want to know what the hell we're talking about. Um, I would start with a brief history or everything. Um, it's, it's very accessible. It's kind of in a dialogue format. So there's it's like a question answer format.
0: Oh, great. Okay. And I love books just, like that. It reminds me of catechisms.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just really good. Um,
0: okay. Um, so shifting gears just a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about your work um you have and we've mentioned it a ton of times here you have developed or maybe not even developed is the right word i mean you're working on on other people's work but you have placed panarchy on within the framework of integral theory as sort of the commonsensical political framework i've used that word twice now Mm -hmm. uh that's most compatible with integral theory so right what what is panarchy?
1: Well, panarchy is a um, is I use the term social operating system. <laughs> it's kind of a dorky term, but whatever, I like it. Yeah, I know it's great. We're all dorks, so <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's a social operating system that can um, accommodate all others. So you can kind of think of it as a step. If you're so, if you're a voluntarist or you're an anarchist, you can think of it as a step in that direction. It's not a government like we would think of as a government. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not like um, it's more like a charter or association, okay, of, of communities, and those communities could be. Could represent any value meme on the spectrum. Um, so the idea is that the panarchy allows for um, all of these different value memes, healthy expressions of those value memes, I should say. So, in other words, we're not talking about, you know, Conan the Barbarian and his gang running amok and you know raiding villages and raping women and all that. What mm-hmm. we're talking about is what are the healthy expressions of all of these value means and just allowing for them to exist on their level. Um, and so you could think of it like, you know, you could think of it as this vast association of intentional communities where if I want to create a commune, a socialist commune, I am free to do that. And I can just sign up on the charter as you know a member community in the panarchy and
0: do my thing um and people would also uh be free to sign on to more than one charter i would assume is that
1: or well um to to sign on to whatever charter they wish yeah Hmm. i mean more than one it might get a little complicated but but for example, if you are a member of a so- this socialist commune and you decide, you know, that's just not for me anymore, then you would be free to join somewhere else or create something of your own uh, uh, with other like-minded people. So it's 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 very flexible, and that's one of the characteristics of Integral is that that it's flexible. It allows for it allows space for these different ways of being, Um, but it still has some guardrails. So it's still, it still has some, um, and, and what those guardrails are or how they manifest, I have left intentionally open. Like I'm not, it's one of the reasons and it's one of the criticisms I get a lot is, is that, you know, I'm not out there going, this is the way we do it. Right. (laughs) Right. Because I want to leave that flexibility open so that solutions can organically arise like i you know i don't i I just want to lay out the principles and and the the sort of just sort of yeah like the guiding principles of what this is and then as as we develop toward that those solutions and there may be multiple different solutions that sort of organically arise and then through sort of experimentation we kind of figure out okay. You know this works better than that, and, and and so on and so forth, and 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 move forward. But um, but the idea being that really all of the all that the all, the only thing that the primary does is it protects um, it protects the individual the individual's right to obviously to um, choose where they want to be. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um, and then it, it could also serve as a sort of uh, clearinghouse for arbitration. Not that it would do the arbitration itself, but that it would, it would sort of be like, um, you could almost think of it like um, it, the way in which different insurance companies work together to sort of solve issues. Mm. Um, that's just one idea, but uh and again i don't want to get into like you know how how it works from a technical standpoint because all of that
0: is sort of in my mind yet to be determined but brian it's crucial that we know who would build the roads i mean come on
1: (laughs) yes i know everyone's worried about the roads um i'm not (laughs) i don't give a shit about the roads. yeah I (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know but yeah. I mean, it's funny, um, you know, I, I'm a much more uh, when I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a sort of uh, a lot of people, when a lot of people, when I debate these uh, topics um, in interval circles, yeah, it's, it's always stuff like that. Who's going to build the roads. Right. I'm not exactly
0: that question, but. Sure. Know, but the, like who, who is the, who's the, who's the authority over these, different communities, like how, how are conflicts resolved? And I mean, shoot, it might be a, a professional community that is sort of centered around arbitration.
1: Exactly. I, I think that could, that's a great uh, potential solution. Um, what I, what I hope it is not is a sort of authoritarian government. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but, so I would I would ra- much rather it be um, you know in, in the form of um, I don't know you could almost think of it like like an HOA I know I hate HOAs but I mean you could think of it in that way where um, all of these member communities all these little panarchic member communities sort of sign on to a charter and then um, and and that charter has certain rules, and then the, and the other members of the uh, the other members of the panarchy kind of hold they kind of hold each other to to task. You know, hey, you're not following that rule. You know, do we need to go to arbitration to figure this out, or are you going to fix that? You know, that kind of thing. Where it's not like, um, you know, there's not like a police force basically running around mm-hmm. solving these problems. It's more self self-regulated i guess that's what i'm looking
0: at. well and yeah and even if the conflicts did resort to violence sometimes i mean they wouldn't be nearly to the scale that right. the, well, the, the the nation-state so paradigm smaller. is right yeah i mean yeah um anything. yeah i mean it's 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 i mean it's it's a lot like hopper's covenant communities um one thing though that you that you make clear in your writing is that it's not necessarily geographically bound. Like it sure. um, doesn't have to be yeah. right. Uh, I'm, I might be part of a different panarchic community than my next door neighbor.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's sort of extraterritorial, territorial, um, you know, and that wouldn't have worked uh, 50 years ago, but we're at a we're at an age where we have, the technical capability to make that work. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. necessary. I mean, you know, you and I are having this conversation. I don't even know where you are. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and you can kind of, uh, you can kind of imagine that um, you could, you could have a virtual community that's every bit
0: as functional as, as a physical one. Well, and especially with that was your thing especially with the advent of like the Ethereum blockchain with smart contracts and that sort of thing. I mean, building a legal framework is, the future of that sort of thing is so not geographically bound that it would be a shame not to have something like that come about because it wouldn't be using the technology to its fullest potential in my opinion. Right. Um, all right. So that's panarchy. Uh, is there anything else about panarchy that you would like to to talk about? Um. No, I mean.
1: Uh, so again, I I think one of the one of the things, uh, and I actually just wrote an article on my blog about this. Published it yesterday.
0: Yeah. I have it open. Um,
1: is that you know i think i think some of the trouble that people have is they they look at the way the world is now and they they judge whether panarchy or anarchy or any of these speculative um, concepts will function in a society as it is and a lot of times you can't really do that. And that's not really how I conceive it. You need a certain, to achieve a certain developmental um, level uh, or spectrum in order to support something like panarchy. Um, and that's what I talk about in this piece that I just published, but um, you, can, you can kind of think of this as, a, as like a bell curve and, and, or if you think of like the world or society, the developmental sort of makeup of society as a bell curve. Um, and right now, um, you know, we are, I would say sort of the center of the, the apex of that bell curve, the bulk of society is sort of right in that blue orange range. Okay. Um, and uh, the leading edge, mo- the the part of the part that sort of drives society as a whole is kind of green, and a little bit of integral, a little bit of yellow there at the, at the mm-hmm. leading edge. We need that to shift slightly, and not much, but we do need it to shift so that the bulk of people are at at least orange. The reason we need that is because. Orange is the level where people start using their words rather than their fists. <laughs> um, and I, that's not a joke. I mean, it's, it's, that's the level where yeah. people, that's the level where people, I mean, they're still, they're still willing to fight, but that's the level where people start to use rationality, their mind, their words, language, they start to fight with those tools rather than sticks and stones and guns. Um, and so we need the bulk of humanity to, to at least be there. And then of course, the leading edge
0: to be at integral. Well, what, do you think, what do you think it takes to, to do that? Is it just the passage of time or can people be persuaded to go from one to the other?
1: Um, well, yeah, it's all about persuasion, uh, persuasion and education and, and like that, basically spreading that v virus that I talked about earlier from person to person and making sure that it catches hold and, you know, and all of that. Um, and, and that's happening faster and faster. Um, like we also talked about, so I don't think it's terribly far off. I actually, I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. I think it'll probably happen in our lifetime, but, um, but it's hard to say. I mean, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. anything could happen. We could regress. We could, I mean, we could have some catastrophe and the world could regress back to, you know, some prior stage and we'd have to clean ourselves up and, you know, go through the whole process again. So who knows, but, um, but from where we are right now, if I'm being optimistic,
0: um, I think it's definitely achievable in our lifetime. There's a, there's a novel I'm reading right now. Uh, it's called The Dim Age, which uh, the reason that I even started reading this novel was because of Vin Armani talking about the dim age on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, they're completely unrelated, but uh, the novel takes place in a very distant future, like 200 years into the future. So maybe not very distant, but anyway, mm-hmm. in the future, um, humanity has regressed to, I would say a blue stage um, because in the year 2031, I think um, the Earth was hit with hit by a meteor, and the whole the whole the whole book is about trying to rediscover like what what these computer chips, how to use them, um, and like you know all, all of this stuff that all this technology that they that they don't know how to like all their all their car they have cars but they run on methane, because when the meteor hit, the the tides shifted so much that it flooded all of the oil rich areas of the earth or something like that. Uh, Anyway, this, this book um, shows a sort of a, uh, what could happen to cause a regression. Um, But like I said earlier, and I think this, I think this really rings true for me anyway, that the progression from one, from one phase to another, uh, it necessitates some sort of crisis that makes it that kind of forces it to happen.
1: Oftentimes. Yeah. Oftentimes it does. And it's very possible that we could be living through such a crisis right now.
0: Right. Um,
1: You know, uh, people talk about a lot, a lot of people talk about uh, the fourth turning, um, which I think is, that's a great book. I don't know if you've heard that, but um, you know, we, we very well could be in a, in a stage where, you know um, a, a sort of crisis Uh, spurs that shift Um, you know and and I and I realized that back in 2012 which is why why I started writing about panarchy is because I was afraid that that was that was about to happen and happen very violently and I was hoping that um, by sort of writing about this stuff and getting that stuff out there that I could maybe convince people not to do it so violently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you can only control what you can control. And, you know, if, if humanity needs to beat itself up in order to
0: advance, then that's
1: just what needs to happen. What
0: do you make of The Great Reset? Have you, have you heard much about it? Yeah. Um,
1: I think it is... It's basically... It's basically pathological, path pathological integral is the way mm-hmm. I see that. Yeah. Um, all of these stages have their healthy manifestation and their mm-hmm. pathological manifestation. So, um, you know, I think that the pathological manifestation of integral in society would be something like a dystopia, like a, like a soft tyranny where, you know, all of us have our UBI and we're all just kind of, you know, functionally enslaved to the powers that be um, and dependent on them completely. And so,
0: you know, that's possible. That's that, that is a possible future. Which uh, kind of brings it to your novel that you wrote. Is that, yeah. is that kind of what that takes place in? Yeah, so you yes. wrote this book, you wrote this book, it's called Alternet. Um, why don't you just kind of talk a little bit about that before we wrap up?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I wrote, I wrote that uh, about it back in 2012. So it was about the same time that I started was writing about panarchy and I was basically imagining, you know, what if I failed? <laughs> so what would society look like if, you know, we were in this sort of soft integral tyranny. Um, And how would that manifest? And so it's set in that sort of dystopia. I won't give too much away about the book, but um, basically uh, it's set in the future. I chose the year 2084 for a reason. Um, Kind of an homage to 1984 and Orwell. Um, But set in the year 2084 uh, after a uh, a really uh, disastrous war um and um it's it's just sort of about a, a guy who is part of this um society and uh through some circumstances he's kind of thrust into a a revolution um that he at first didn't want any part of but then became very important to him, and um, and that revolution is called Alternate. So that's that's the title of the book. But um, but yeah, it's
0: it, right. it has it has a lot of sort of these integral principles in it. Perfect, and that's available on Kindle Unlimited, which uh, Amazon, for all its faults, man, that Kindle Unlimited has upped my reading in the last year or so. I, I, yeah. I, wanted to get back into reading books rather than just short form articles. And uh, that's been a huge help. So I'm going to throw a hard copy too. They have- yeah. The, it's got a paperback. Um, yeah. And uh, also if you don't want to do Kindle Unlimited, you can just buy the ebook as well, um, which uh, I'm going to be doing. So <clears throat> Brian, uh, is there anything else that you'd want to hit on before we uh, part ways?
1: Uh, no, thank you for the for the interview, and I hope people find this stuff interesting and, and look into it more. And, and you know, if you've never even heard of Integral, then definitely tr- uh, try Ken Wilber's book, A Brief History of Everything, and it's a great place to start.
0: Cool. So one final question: If you uh, had to give someone advice for how to like prosper in this um, coming age, I guess. Mm-hmm. What would you what would you say to the individual who wants to who wants to be successful?
1: Um, well, first, I would I would just advise that you really think about what does success mean to you, um, and uh, and just try to improve yourself. You know, always work on improving yourself, and um, and what I mean by improving yourself is not just like you know learning new skills, but also practicing, um, sort of all, all quadrants, if you will, yeah. you know, <laughs> inside and out. yes. Um, so, yeah, all that's
0: right. what I would suggest. Cool. So I'll make sure to put a link to your website, uh, which is a great, it's a great blog. There's tons of good information on integral theory. So even if you don't want to dig deep into the books, there's a trove of information there. Um, your Twitter, you're at Broderland, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll make sure to link to that. Is there anything else you'd like for me to link to?
1: Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on the integral community on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of integral groups. Uh, integral global is the, probably the easiest, most accessible, um, if you do Facebook, which a lot of people are moving away from, but, um,
0: (laughs) whether by choice or not, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Um, but yeah, you can find me there too. And then you've got a new podcast as well. Right.
1: Yes, integrate this podcast. We have about 10 episodes so far um, and I do that with another guy uh, named Marshall Eon. We co-host that and um, we'll be we will be we haven't posted in a while, but we are definitely um, making new po- new uh, episodes so. okay
0: cool. well, I really appreciate your time today audience I appreciate you sticking around for this full uh, two hour long podcast. It's the very longest one I've done but this information is so interesting and valuable, um, that I thought, uh, having a longer form, uh, episode was probably worth it. So thanks again, Brian. And I hope to talk soon. All right. All right. Thanks again to Brian for joining me today. And thank you for listening. Um, if you were interested in Integral theory. Stay tuned. I have other interviews planned on the topic, but also be sure to grab a copy of Ken Wilber's book, either the hard copy, ebook, or audiobook. All of those links are in the show notes. Uh, and if this topic interests you, or if you have any questions, um, be sure to shoot in my way either on Twitter at James L J, via email by replying to the email notification you get from Substack, or get in contact with me on MeWe. Uh I will warn you that Mii's chat function is not quite up to par just yet so I do miss a lot of messages so Twitter and email are probably best I'm also going to put a link to Dan stringer who wrote the new intro music um, so that you can get in contact with him if you would like to add music to your project or just or just are looking for a new artist to, to discover um, I think he's pretty great and uh, deserves to be heard. And I'm sure he would appreciate your business as well. And I think that does it. So I will see you on the next episode of Blackbird. Thanks again for joining me. You know what to do as far as ratings, reviews, and thumbs up and all that goes. So I just won't pester you about it anymore today. And until next time, live free.